Father, thank you that you want us to know you and, and you give us your word and you speak today actively by your spirit through your word. And we invite you now in this time to speak into our lives in a powerful and transforming way that you give me words as I speak that I might communicate your truth with clarity and with power by your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. We have two scripture readings. Uh, they may be familiar to you, and so that's always a good clue that you've got to pay special attention because it's easy when you think you, un you know this, you your mind wanders. So listen carefully as, as I read. I'm going to read from Luke's Gospel from chapter 17, verses 11 through 19. This is God's word. Now, on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him, and they stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, Go, show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. And he threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. And Jesus said, we're not all ten cleansed. Where are the other nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. The second passage is a very brief one. It's three verses long, but it's really short. It's from uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. It's verses 16 through 18. Be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. This is God's word for us. So I'll remind you of the context just briefly. We're, I'm looking these that last few weeks and this week and one more week uh, at the idea of making peace with our past, dealing with our past, the past that we've lived out of into the present and we are living from into the future. So we've talked about repentance as a way of of turning away from the, the wrong things that, we have, that have been part of our lives and, and, and more important really, or as an important part of that, is turning away from that toward God. Repentance is, is not just turning away from something, but it's turning towards someone. It's turning toward God. And so it's, it's recognizing those parts of our lives where we were turned at, toward the wrong place and turning our lives back toward God. We talked about forgiveness, about dealing with the hurts and resentments that come from the past, to, to purge our lives of the poison of bitterness and resentment. We talked about reconciliation last time, about taking broken relationships and, and allowing God to work healing in our, related, in our relationships that, that have that brokenness from the past. Today I want to talk about gratitude. I want to talk about thankfulness. Because when we look back at the past, we're not... We've talked a lot about the things that, that are painful and difficult about the past, but um, 
Our, our lives are not made up just of painful, difficult things, though sometimes we can let our attention get so fixated on those broken parts of our past that we can't see the other parts that are there that's really important for us to recognize. So gratitude is that. It's that recognition of, of the good, the blessings, and, and it's adopting an attitude about them. We're going to talk about that. So we're going to do that with this passage here, from, from, uh, starting with the passage from Luke. It's a familiar story. It's, a, it's one that you probably have heard if you've heard the Bible very much. And, but I'm going to talk about it a little bit. So the context we're given is that Jesus is traveling to Jerusalem, and he he's, he's spends most of his time in Galilee, which is this northern province around the Sea of Galilee. And he spends a lot of his time there, and then regularly for holy days, for feast days, he'll travel from there down to Jerusalem. That's a common thing. Uh, they wouldn't have said it that way. They'd have said he'd travel up to Jerusalem. He's going to go south, but you always go up to Jerusalem. You've heard me say that because Jerusalem's on top of a hill. So the only way you can get there is by going up, no matter where you're coming from. So he always goes up to Jerusalem. To do that, he's got to either go around Samaria, because Samaria is that province in between Galilee and Judea, and it's got these people called Samaritans, whom Jews considered to be foreigners. Probably won't go into that a lot, but it's an interesting historical situation. But they disliked one another intensely, Jews and Samaritans. Usually you'd travel around Samaria to avoid it, but Jesus is at least traveling along the edge of Samaria on his way down to Jerusalem. And, and he, as he's traveling along, he comes to a village. Before he goes into the village, he's met by a group of, of men, ten men, and they are n certainly not in the village because they're not allowed to be in the village because they are afflicted with a skin disease of some sort. It's, Hard to say exactly. It's almost certainly not what we call today leprosy, which is Hansen's disease. It's a viral infection. Um, it, it could have been that, but in, it could have been any number of skin diseases, and they may have all had different ones, but that manifested themselves in a particular way. And, and when that happened, people were considered unclean and were required to stay away from society. You weren't allowed to come close in, in, to other people. Now, we'll run into some other cases where Jesus heals lepers who break that rule and approach him. But ordinarily, uh, in that society, if a leper came too close, everybody felt quite free to throw rocks at them to get them to back away. Uh, because they just, you, you weren't allowed to approach if you had, had leprosy. You get a hint of that here, because right, they, they're, we're told that they are at a distance and they call out to him in a loud voice. And they call out in a loud voice certainly because they are feeling a real intense need for him and also because they're far away. And they have to shout loudly so he'll hear them. And they do. And they're crying out to him saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. They don't specify the need, but their life situation makes it very plain. They don't have to tell him what they're asking for. By asking for his mercy, they are telling him. It's obvious what they need. And in this case, he doesn't say, well, what do you want? He knows what they want. And he, he acts on that. And he tells them to do what Jewish law requires. And that is that they should go. In order to be declared clean, a leper would then have to go to a priest 
who would examine him. And it's, I suppose, the only context in which a human person was allowed to come near them. And they would look to see if the leprosy, if there was any evidence of the leprosy. So he sends them to, to go do that. And uh, they go look for a priest. The, the, the easiest place to find one would be in Jerusalem, but there were priests, the priests lived amongst the, in various towns as well, and they would go up, they'd have shifts. And they'd go and work for a period of time in Jerusalem. They'd be on duty, and then they'd go back home. So it's hard to say where they were going to go find a priest. They could have been finding one in the neighboring town, or they may have had to go to Jerusalem. But they were looking for a priest who would examine them and determine whether they were still afflicted with leprosy. So that's what they've gone to do. He says, go and show yourself. And, and note what they do. What do they do? Well, they go, right? I mean, that's, it's not that complicated. They, they do exactly what he tells them to do. And as they are going, we're told, it's in the process of going that they discover that they, are, they have been cleansed or healed. And the words vary back and forth in this passage between a word for healing and being cleansed because for leprosy it's both. You're, you're healed, which means that you are made clean. And so as they're going, they discover they have been made clean. Now they still need a, a legal pronouncement of that. The priest will have to certify that they are clean, but, but they know it. It's become obvious that the, the, because leprosy is not a secret thing. It, this skin disease is visible. That's, what, that's the, uh, the, what makes it what it is. So that visible sign of their, their leprosy has gone away. And they discover that they are cleansed. They're healed. And one of them turns around and hurries back to Jesus. We don't know how far they've gone. They may be in sight. They may have gone far away. We don't know. But they've They've gone and one comes running back to Jesus to thank him and falls down at his feet and thanks him. And as it turns out, he's a, he's a Samaritan. He's not a proper Jew. So Jesus refers to him as a foreigner. But he says, it's, it's a curious way of saying it. He says, is, is no one other than this foreigner? Where, where are the other ones? Nobody else came back. To, to, to do what? To thank who? No, actually what he says is to thank God, to praise God. Now, that means a couple of things. In retrospect, as we look at it, we can recognize Jesus is making a claim here that when that man comes back and thanks him, he is praising God and thanking God. We could take this as a claim to, to divine status. But yes, in, that, in the other sense is, come back to the one who has done this healing and thank him. But there's no question in Jesus' mind that that's, those two things are the same. That, that to thank him is to thank God because God has done the healing and Jesus has been the one through whom that healing entered their lives. And they, came, they were to come back. This, this one came back and made the connection. And that's what I want you to look at here is to recognize that what has happened is that this man has made a connection between what has happened to him and God. Now, I don't, this may seem so obvious that you overlook it, but it's important to recognize that what these men have done is they have prayed. They've prayed to Jesus 
for healing. When they said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us, they have sought him. That's what prayer is. At its most basic sense, prayer is seeking help from God. Now, I know that we are prone to think, oh, you know, that's not the highest form of prayer. The highest form of prayer is to praise God. But, but all the great, great ones of the faith, well, John Calvin, the sort of founder of Presbyterianism, uh, has a whole section in one of his books on prayer, and he thinks that the, the, the bottom line foundation notion of prayer is seeking help from God. That that's where you, that's, it's not a grubby, bad sort of prayer. It's a beautiful sort of prayer, he says, because when we do it, we recognize that God is God, and God is the one who provides what we need, and that we are not sufficient. So that, that when you seek help from God in petitioning prayer, requesting prayer, you're sort of laying out the, the perfectly right structure of reality, that we are those who are not sufficient to meet the needs of our lives, and that God is the one who is completely sufficient and, and not only is able to provide what we need, but is willing to do it. I mean, you don't go and ask someone who is unwilling to help you for help. I mean, you know, if you're desperate enough, you might, but but you don't expect it. You don't, if you go to someone who hates you and always is trying to hurt you and you go and ask for their help, you don't have a lot of hope, right? You're, you're not very positive about that. No, you go to the one who you know cares about you and who is able to help you. And petitioning prayer is that. So in its, in its heart, petitioning prayer is a praising of who God is. When you go to God and ask for what you need, you are saying, Lord, I know that you are good. I know that you love me and care about me, and I know that you are able to do anything I, I ask and need. True, God will sometimes know better than we do what we need, and so sometimes the provision will be a little different from what we ask for, but, but we can go to him knowing that what he provides will be good. So that's why petitionary prayer is, in, is, a, is a rich, beautiful fullness of all that prayer can be. In its very essence, petitioning prayer is praising God for who he is. You go, when you go with that prayer, you are in the act of doing it, saying to God, I know that you are good and that you are able. So there's nothing grubby or bad about asking God for what you need. And if you refuse to do it, it is almost an insult to God, saying, I don't think you're good, I don't think you'll do me good, or I don't think you want to do me good. You don't want to say that, right? Don't say that. So, how do you avoid saying that? You run to him with every need you have. Now, God, and, I, and it's important also, because God tends to prefer to act in your life in response to prayer. Now he does, thank God, he does work in our lives way beyond that. Every breath I draw is an act of God keeping me alive. First uh, Thessalonians, uh, Colossians chapter 1, it says of, of God that he holds all things together. Meaning that the, the atoms in my body keep every of the Gajillion, I don't know, that's not a technical term, right? I don't know, like the unnumberable number of atoms in my body continue to function just the right way because at every moment God is paying attention to them. 
Now, I, you know, I can't pay attention to half of the things on my to-do list. I forget them. But, but God can do that. I don't know how. I can't imagine it. But then God is that much bigger than me, than my brain, that I can't comprehend all that he can do. All I know is that that is the truth, that every moment, every atom of my being is, is attended to by God's intention for my life and everything above that. So he's always acting for our good, but he especially likes to do blessings, put blessings into our lives as a response to prayer and will generally wait until we pray in order to move. Why? So that we'll connect the dots. When something good happens in your life and you haven't asked God for it, you might thank him for that. You also might say, wow, boy, wasn't I lucky in that. There's no praise of God in that. And that's why God prefers to act in, in response to our praying, because when he does, it's much easier for us to connect the dots and to know that what has happened has happened because God has acted. You all did that in your office that you just told us about in the prayer request that Lisa shared, that where they had a need, they brought the need to God, a response came, and you knew why. Because you prayed, and because your God cares about you. That's why prayer is so important. So, Jesus can, does that here. They ask for it. I tell you, in all, I firmly believe that if they had not asked for healing, Jesus would have walked on by. Not because he didn't care about them, not because he didn't know their need, but because that's how he prefers mostly to work, is so that we will connect that dot. I mean, I, I don't know that for certain, but you know that in Jesus' day, there were still sick people who were not healed, even though he was around. Now, that's how life, that's how we, we live in a broken world where we have needs. God especially acts in response to prayer so that we will recognize where the provision has come from. And that builds us. Paul is saying the same thing you'll notice in that 1 Thessalonians passage from chapter 5 that I read. Rejoice always, pray the word, pray continually. The word is pray without ceasing, literally. It means live in a constant sense of prayer, of, of prayer to God, and give thanks in everything, is how it literally says, in, in everything. Now, it doesn't say give thanks for everything. Not everything that happens in your life is good. Not everything that happens in your life is from God. So you don't thank God for everything, but in the midst of everything, you thank God because you are always continually, unceasingly taking your needs to God. We want to develop that, that kind of pattern of living so that we are living with a continual sense that we are living before God and every need we have we take to Him. No need is too small. No need is too big. No need is too big because God is bigger than all of it, right? So there is nothing that he cannot deal with. And no need is too small because he cares about everything about your life. So nothing is too small. You take all of it to God. And as you see the blessing of God brought into your life, what do you do? 
You acknowledge it in thanks to God. Thanksgiving is the, is the recognition and acknowledgement of a blessing provided. We don't thank, we, we, we thank people who have acted. We don't thank nobody, which I usually get very impatient with around Thanksgiving time when people uh, who don't believe anything about God say we should be thankful. Certainly, if somebody has done a good thing for you, you thank them. But to live with an attitude of thankfulness without any recognition of the person who provides the, the blessing is nonsense. You, you can't thank... You know, I don't thank a tree, an apple tree, for giving me an apple. It, it just... I, I thank a person. You thank a person who has done a thing for you, has given you a blessing. So if I get a nice apple off a tree, I don't thank the tree for the apple, I thank God who has made all of this. All right? So thankfulness is, a, is directed toward a person who has intentionally blessed you. Again, you, you don't thank someone who hates you and did something that they meant to hurt you but turned out good. I mean, they didn't mean to do you a blessing, they meant to hurt you but it somehow turned out good. You don't thank them for trying to hurt you. You thank the one who has done you good on purpose. And that's what, that's what thanksgiving is. And when we connect it tightly to prayer, it allows us to live a constant thankfulness to the one who provides. I am always bringing my needs to God, and, and as he provides, I thank him for that blessing. Now, the part that makes this about the past is that we need to be continually remembering what God has done. If you all forget this, the next time you are in trouble in your office, you'll be afraid you don't know what's going... All right. So you want to remember what God has done that you have been thankful for. So you need to review your life. I am a great advocate of writing these things down. I didn't bring them in. I guess I should have. I have a whole little box of little uh, journals. I've given them out to you before. If you need another one or would like one, I get them from Dollar General. They cost 33 cents a piece. You don't have to pay for them. I get a bucket of them for nothing practically. Oh, it's not Dollar General. It's Dollar Tree. I get the right, the right um, commercial here. I won't get it. Well, if they give me some money, I guess. No, uh, there's no, there's no commercial here. But but I'll just say, you need these little journals that will allow you, I mean, any, you, you've got one, just a pad of paper, whatever you use to help you remember. But don't forget the blessings that God has given. So gratitude needs to be remembered. Remember what God has done in the past, which will allow you to live confidently in the present. You make the connection. God, I need, I have this need God provides. I thank him for it and I, and I lock it in my remembering so that I will live based, my life will be based on that gratitude of what God has done so that when I bring today's needs, I do it with the remembrance of what God has done in the past needs and I live with more confidence, and I am able to rejoice always. That's how that's all tied together. The, 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 the connecting of those dots with God's action in our lives, gratitude returned, remembered, and that becomes a, a foundation 
those stones of remembering become a foundation on which I build my life in the future, present and the future. It shapes how I live. That's why a life of gratitude, that's, it becomes that. It's a, it's a life of remembered blessings that builds confidence for the future. That's why gratitude is very important. That's why remembering is really important. And it's why connecting the dots. So, and, and it all hinges, you notice, on praying. You, you, won't you won't really build a life of gratitude and remembered blessings if you don't pray constantly for your needs. So live prayerfully and you will see God's work in your life. Remember it with gratitude and you will live joyfully now and also tomorrow. Father, we ask for you to give us this, to grant us this, this approach to life, to be bold in our, in our requesting because you have told us to do it so that we can see it with gratitude, live it, and, and live with joy all the days of our lives. So we can shine and, and in our very attitudes demonstrate the reality of your, your goodness. Grant us this blessing in Jesus' name. Amen.